Good evening, Family Church Waterlooville. Welcome back to Sunday Night Local. This is actually probably going to be the last one that we do for Waterlooville because we're going to have a bit of a two-week break before we start gathering in person on the 27th of June. So just sort of, first of all, I want to say well done England today for winning the football. I actually realized today the importance of that game and so well done England sorry Croatia so the best team won and um and so but tonight I just want to we're going to come into land with this whole series that we've been covering over a number of weeks now about running our race you know what there's been sort of sort of some phrases if you like over the over the last number of weeks and to sort of try and capture some of those phrases I think of things like running your race, conforming to the image of Jesus. Um, what's the fuel that motivates you? Um, you know, about, about it being motivation, not determination, that um, helps us to conform to the image of Jesus. And just experiencing the goodness and the, the favor and the love that God lavishes on us as his children, as we grow from being children, from being those nappios to those mature sons and daughters of God. So I know that you are sitting with bated breath, got your Bible open, and I know that you've got it open at Hebrews chapter 12. I just know it like I know it like I know it. So let's, so let's just, before we jump in tonight, let's just open in prayer. Let's open up our hearts. Let's receive everything that God has for us in this hour at this time. Whether you're watching this later on and catch up or during the week, it doesn't matter. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know what? Whether it's been preached on a Sunday night or on a Thursday morning, it's the same Word. And all that we need are the right hearts. We need ears to hear and a receptive heart to receive all that God has for us. So let's just agree in prayer, shall we? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity to preach your word tonight. I thank you, Father God, that you use me, that, Father God, you use my tongue as, as, as the pen of a ready writer, Lord God. I thank you for hearts that are open, hearts that are receptive. Lord, we want to consider what you have to say to us in this hour. We want to hear from you. We want to lean into you in this hour. And Lord, I just want to thank you for, for all the technology, the stuff that, you've, that you have provided, Lord, that has enabled us to continue to gather around your word during this season. So I pray your blessing upon every single one of us in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, Amen. You can say Amen. So Hebrews chapter 12, I know you can quote it. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we've been speaking over a, over a period of time about this metaphorical journey that there is a race that is set before us 
and we know that the race is not about what we accomplish, but rather it's about who we are becoming. And we know that the, the objective of this Christian life is to conform to the image of Jesus. Romans 8, 29, write that scripture down, go and read it during the week. It says, for whom he foreknew, that's you, child of God, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So our purpose in life, in this life, on this journey, is to become more like Jesus. That's our objective in this, on this journey of life. So with this in mind, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. Now we know, 2 Timothy, we know that um, this is Paul's very last letter that he wrote. And he's, he's written two letters. This is his second letter that he's written to, to the pastor, to, to Timothy, the pastor. And, this is, and he wrote this letter just before he was martyred. And he says these words, 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And we know that what he's talking about here is a reference to two chapters back. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2, and we're going to pick it up from verse 2, uh, verse 3. But he's referring there to the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. The soldier, I have fought the good fight. The athlete, I have finished the race. The farmer, I have kept the faith. So listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 2 verses 3 to 7. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. You therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, must endure hardship. Ooh. Oh, Sandy, I thought this was going to be an easy one. No, sorry. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, He's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And here we go, the hard-working farmer. Remember, we spoke about the hard-working farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Verse 7, consider what I say. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So here's the analogy about the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. But that verse 7, I think, just underlines the whole scripture. He says, consider what I say. In other words, think about, ponder, take heed, understand. In, in the book of Psalms, you often see this word, selah, that means pause, Meditate, just be quiet for a while. Think about this. It means give thought to something in order to reach a suitable conclusion. And I just feel like God is saying to us, 
Consider what I say. Consider what is the Holy Spirit saying to us today? Is he speaking to us today in 2021? Or was this just a word for Timothy from the Apostle Paul 2000 odd years ago? No, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We're going to see how this word applies to our everyday lives, including in 2021. So last week, we donned our wellies, remember? And we, we studied the farmer. And what did we find out about the farmer? That as a farmer, we break up the fallow ground. That, that hard-trodden ground caused by hurt, by pain, by disappointment, that has just become hard and brittle in our hearts. And, and, and that weed, that bindweed, remember that bindweed? I brought in a little sample from our garden, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say. But that bindweed, that, those weeds that wrap themselves around the stuff that's hardened in our hearts, and, but, but remember, we, we, we read from Psalm 65 about that we're going to break up that fallow ground and the Holy Spirit is going to rain onto those deep furrows. He's going to soften the hardness and he's going to remove and he's going to take away and displace all that hurt, all that pain as we surrender to the Holy Spirit, as we allow the soft presence of God to soak into our lives, to remove that hard brittle ground. Remember the farmer. So this is how we this is how we conform to the image of Jesus. We don't just leave all this hard stuff in our hearts and sort of stick a band-aid over it and hope for the best. And well hopefully it's all hidden now. No, remember there were all those toxic areas in our lives that had been ring fenced. We wouldn't allow anyone in, not even God. No more of that. We're going to keep on visiting this. We've got to guard our hearts. Remember, Proverbs says, guard your hearts for out of it spring the issues of life. So it doesn't help to just put a little band-aid over our hearts. But that was last week. This is this week. So we're going to, we're going to just remove our wellies. And tonight, we're going to don our pith helmets. Okay? We're going to get out our armor. And we're going to prepare for battle. And we're going to look at the soldier. I'm going to take a sip of water. I'm so excited about tonight. Second <laughs> Timothy 2. Right. So we've read Second Timothy 2 verses 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and so forth. But I just want to go back one verse. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. We're just going to look at these two verses for the rest of tonight. 2 Timothy 2 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Powerful scripture. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then we're just going to go skip down to verse 3. He says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Consider what is God saying to us tonight. How does this relate to our lives in June 2021? So my first point was from verse from verse one. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That word be strong 
those both words, be strong, means be endued with strength. But in order to be endued with strength, we have to have received this strength. It, that word endued with strength, it reminds me of in Luke's gospel when Jesus said to the disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you have been endued from on high with power. And he was referring to the baptism in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which took place in, in, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, in Acts chapter 2. That is about being endued with power. But he says, be, be endued with power in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the way that we are endued with this power is we receive the strength through our union with the Lord from spending time with God. Isaiah 40, 29 says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That's the thing that we need the most. We need that union, that time spent with the Lord to be endued with the grace of God. So what is the grace of God? The grace of God is the goodness of God. The unmerited favor of God towards us. We aren't to be strong in ourselves you know, I'm going to be a strong person from now on. No, and it's not about being strong, having that self-confidence. Our confidence doesn't come from ourselves, from our amazing talent, from our awe-inspiring gifting. <laughs> it doesn't come from any of that. No, in Ephesians 1 verse 6, the Bible says that God made us accepted in the Beloved. In and of ourselves, we are not acceptable. We are quite unacceptable. And if we come to God in our own righteousness, our self-righteousness, about it's all about me, the, the Bible says that, that self-righteousness, it's as filthy rags. But when we come to God, when we come to Him, and we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, He makes us righteous. He makes us accepted. He honors us with blessing. He endues us. He strengthens us with grace. That word, that, that, that word endued also means clothed, clothed with the grace, the mercy, the kindness of God. He, Jesus, has made us righteous. Jesus has made us favored. Jesus has made us accepted. It's not about who we are. It's about whose we are. That we are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. So, God's unmerited favor, His, His kindness, His mercy, endues us with strength. Just spend some time thinking about that this week. God's grace endues me. It gives me strength. God's grace, God's mercy, God's kindness strengthens me. You know, the grace of God is not whimsical or weak, but it strengthens us. When we know that God is good and that God does good, 
and that God works all things together for our good. That's a good starting place. That's a good place to start. Know that God is good, he does good, and he works all things together for our good. That's a good place. But if for any reason you struggle with the concept that God is good, I don't want you to feel condemned. I don't want you to beat yourself up. There's no point to that, okay? But what I would re recommend is go back and listen to last week's message on the farmer, where I try to help you to break up that fallow ground and learn about the goodness of God. We've got to break up that fallow ground. Whatever blockage you've got might have in your life today, allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to break up that fallow ground, to remove that toxicity from your heart and bring a healing to your soul. We cannot, as soldiers of God, we cannot represent God properly. We can't be his ambassadors, wear his uniform, unless we know him properly, unless we know him in truth. We can't have a God in our own image, the way we want him to be. You know what, John 1.17 says that for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We can't just take grace. We can't just say, well, God's grace covers everything, right? And therefore, whatever I do is okay. No, no, there's consequences to our sin. There's consequences to our disobedience. But we need to be take equal measure between grace and truth. We need to know who God really is. How much does this grace cover? And that this grace is not used as a cover for sin. Romans chapter 6, I'm just going to throw out two verses. Romans chapter 6, written again by the Apostle Paul, the same guy who wrote 2 Timothy. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, Paul asks this question. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Question mark. And he answers the question. He says, certainly not. And you know what? I think if he could have, he would have capitalized those words. Certainly not. And he would have put it like an emoji, you know. No way, Jose. No. Then in verse 15, he says, shall we sin? Because we are not under law, but under grace. So we don't have to keep these Ten Commandments anymore. We're under grace, right? He says it again. Certainly not. God does not wink at our sin. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we need both in our lives. So therefore, my son, Paul writing to Timothy says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Listen to what it says in the Passion Translation. It says, Timothy, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength found in your union with him. So grace isn't something that's just sort of standalone out here. The way we get to know the grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy, the kindness, the unmerited favor is by that union, that relationship with him.
And, you know, talking about be strong in the grace of God. I mean, come on, who hasn't actually up until this point not thought of Ephesians chapter 6 about putting on the armor of God? Remember, we did a series on this actually just before the first lockdown, before the initial lockdown, lockdown. But Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about it. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he goes on and says, put on the whole armor of God. As God's soldiers, we need to wear God's uniform. And then he gives it to us. He tells us what it, what it looks like. He talks about having your waist girded with truth, having on this breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and put on the helmet of salvation. Remember all these aspects of the armor of God and all these items of clothing like the belt and the breastplate and the helmet and those shoes, they're, they're all really sort of hard external items. You know, Gucci hadn't been invented or born yet. This was hardcore stuff. It was scratchy. It was horrible. I don't think that, you know, back in Paul's day that wearing a, a breastplate or even a helmet, I don't think could have been very pleasurable. But do you know what? If, as long as we're putting on this, this hard armor of God, this uniform of God, as long as the undergarment, that undergarment is the grace of God, then we're in a good place. Make sure that your undergarment is the garment of grace. And all of this starts by that abiding in the vine, John 15, about being in union with the Lord, knowing his goodness, knowing his favor. Consider this, okay? Consider this, that maybe God's speaking to us as a church, as a people during this hour. So that's my first point. How are we doing for time? Sure. Second point, and my last point, so you can breathe a sigh of relief. Sure, she's not going to go on all that. He says in verse 3, 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, he says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I love the fact that Paul doesn't exhort Timothy to be an average soldier. Barely just good enough to get by. Average, ordinary, beige, in other words. No, he says, be endure hardship as a good soldier. And I don't think he's talking here about being good in terms of um, morally good. I believe what it means is being competent, being able, being um, excellent. This is, the, this is the Strong's Concordance trans, um, um, meaning of it. Excellent in nature and characteristics. And then being well adapted, disciplined, disciplined, it's not a nice word, is it? Discipline, first class, loyal. This is what makes up a true soldier. This is what makes a good soldier. And just thinking about this in preparation for this message, what constitutes a good soldier? And I think one of the main aspects that a soldier expects is a life of discomfort. 
a life of discomfort. A soldier goes to war expecting hardship. He goes to war expecting hardship. He's not going to have a picnic. A.W. Tozer wrote a book and um, in which he challenges us. Oh, is your life lived as though you're on a playground or a battleground? You know, do you sort of stick your head in the sound and say, la, 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 la. Um, it's all, you know, it's all about playing games or is it a battleground? And I believe the fact that God is saying to us, the Holy Spirit is saying through the scripture, you must endure hardship as a good soldier. It tells me life is a battleground. Anybody who says to you, become a Christian and life is going to be easy, they lied to you. Okay, don't believe that. It's not true. From the minute you become born again, suddenly, yeah, yes, you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Fantastic. Awesome. Born again, Spirit filled with the life of God living on the inside of you. But I tell you what, soon or later, you are going to hit, you're going to come up against some opposition. You're going to get persecuted. There's suddenly ways that you used to live don't work anymore. Listen to what Pastor Andy was speaking on this morning about kingdom life. Fantastic message. I loved it. Listen to it. Go back and listen to Pastor Andy's message from this morning, Sunday morning service. It was brilliant. So we can expect hardship. And a soldier doesn't just walk off the battlefield when, when, the, when the going gets tough or when he's had enough. He endures to the end of the battle until he wins. He stays on that battleground. Just remember that the fight we're in is not against flesh and blood. We are not fighting with people. People, okay? <laughs> we're not fighting with our brothers and sisters. It's not about one-upmanship. We're to, we're to love one another. We're not, the, the, the battle is not against flesh and blood. But in 1 Timothy 6.12, the Apostle Paul, again, speaking to Timothy, says, Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So, why is it called the good fight of faith? Because we win. Because we win. As long as we endure. If we endure to the end, we win. We don't give up halfway. We don't wave the white flag and surrender and say it's not working. No, we endure hardship to the very end until we get our breakthrough. And you know what? Sometimes people die, okay? Sorry to say that, but people die. But when I die, I want to go home to the Lord full of faith, believing God. I don't care what is. I'm not believing for things to go wrong with my health. But if things do go wrong in my health, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to take him at his word. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. If I go home to the Lord, my breastplate's beaten, my shield of faith is dented and dinged, and my helmet is all skew. I don't care. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In fact, the scripture a little bit further says that we've got to um, come to our commanding officer, knowing that he's the one that's called us. Jesus is our commander-in-chief. He is our commander-in-chief, and the only way we can please God is with our faith. And I don't want to discourage anybody and say, 
You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. I don't believe we've ever given that message. But start where you're at. Start where you're at. You know what? If you've got a headache, believe God to heal a headache. Don't start with the big things. Start small. If you're believing for finances, start sowing. Do what God tells you to do. But just take a step of faith and watch what God does. Okay, don't give up. Don't walk off the battlefield. So where am I in my, in my message? You must endure hardship as a good soldier. That word soldier appears in the Bible, in the New Testament, a lot of times, especially in like in the Gospels, and it's normally meant in a, not in a good way, because you're talking about the soldiers who beat Jesus, and you know, whenever there's an association of soldiers in the, in the Gospels, most of the time, they're not, not known in a, in a good sense. But in this scripture, in 2 Timothy 2, in verse 3, that word soldier actually means, it's the only way where it does mean this, it means a champion, for the cause of Christ. Be a champion. A champion protects. A champion defends a cause. And we are to champion the cause of Christ and the word of Christ. Endure hardship. What to do? What do we do when it seems like our prayers are slow and getting answered? Endure hardship. Don't give up. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 11 and 12. I'm just going to throw a couple of scriptures out there. Go and read them this weekend, this, this week ahead. Hebrews chapter 6, it says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. The NIV says, so that your hope may be fully realized. That you do not become sluggish. Don't become sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience. Years ago I heard some teaching about the power twins. Faith and patience. These are the power twins. They work together. They work together. The message translation of this says, be like those who stay the course. In other words, don't give up. The passion says, don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised. We're to be like that persistent widow. Remember in Luke's gospel, in Luke 18, that the parable that Jesus speaks about, that persistent widow, she keeps on banging on, banging on, banging on. She won't let go. That's what we're going to be like, that persistent widow. Because if you are persistent, you will get it. And if you are consistent, you will keep it. Let's not be just a little, like a one-hit wonder. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's not just be persistent once. Let's keep at it. Consistency, I think, is one of the most understated disciplines that we ever speak about. Consistency is key. You know, 2 Timothy 1.13, Paul, writing to Timothy, says, Hold fast the 
pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Paul wasn't a one-hit wonder. He, there was a pattern through consistency from doing the right thing, from saying the right thing, from having his mind renewed, the same for us. Hold fast the pattern. Let, let, let like Paul, become, let your words become a pattern of sound words. Be known for a person who has a pattern, a consistency of sound words coming out of your heart, coming out of your mouth. If you are persistent, you will get it. If you are consistent, you will keep it. So endure hardship. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. Remember, this was written by Paul. Fight the good fight of faith. And then Paul as well, when he said right in the beginning there, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This guy, Paul, do you know what hardships the guy faced? He was facing death. He was about to be martyred for his faith. But he knew he'd lived out his life. He'd come to the end of his journey. And all the way through his journey, he kept the faith. He fought the good fight. He ran his race. And some, I, I, I think at times he must have had his, his helmet all dented, his breastplate all dinged, and his shield of faith all buckled. But he finished his race. You know, you think about some of the stuff that he went through. It talks about it in 2 Corinthians. It says three times he was beaten with rods. I don't know about you. How many of you, please send me an email, have been beaten with rods in the last 10 years for your faith? None? I bet you. Once he was stoned, and not in a good way. Okay, you can delete that. It was a mini joke. But three times he was shipwrecked. Once he spent a whole day and a night, 24 hours treading water for faith, for his faith in God, for getting the gospel out. So he was qualified to say to us, endure hardship. He's not saying it from sitting in, his, in a luxury um, home and with a jacuzzi and whatnot. He's saying endure hardship. He wrote this while waiting to be martyred. Endure hardship. Run the race with endurance that is set before us. We must stay the course. The way we do it, verse 2, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Another scripture, Hebrews 10, 35, 36. Do not cast away your confidence, which is great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God. Oh, hang on. Let me say that again. So that after, so that after, after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So many of God's promises are conditional. They're dependent on us playing our part. And I'll give you a few. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth. And we all love the scripture and the truth will make you free. But if you abide in my word, if anyone thirsts, 
let him come to me. God doesn't override people's wills. If you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, come to him. He will fill you. He will refresh you. He says, I'm the door. If anyone comes, enters by me, he will be saved. Come through the door. If you come to him. By this will all know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. I mean, the list is endless. It's obvious. God's promises frequently are conditional. They are, we have our part to play and God has his part. We have to play our part. God won't play our part. No matter how much we'd like him to, it's up to us. And just a little few little hints and tips here about believing God. Make sure that what you are believing for is the word of God. And it's not just wishful thinking. I'm just hoping that somehow a thousand pounds extra is going to appear in my bank account. That's wishful thinking. That's not the word of God. God's word says that he, he desires that he, he prays that all that you are prosperous, that you prosper in all things. He's your provider. But we have to do something. There's a part we have to play. We can't just hope that money is just going to drop out of the sky or grow on a tree. There's a part we have to play. And we have to make sure that what we're believing for is the word of God. And it's not just wishful thinking. If you believe in God for something... What is it based on? Get a scripture. Get a scripture. Whatever you're believing for must be based on the word of God, not just wishful thinking. Another point. There are no lone rangers in an army. No army survives with the Texas Lone Star mentality. There's no such thing. Soldiers make up an army. And you know what? The smallest number of unit in, 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 a, in an army is a squad. And that squad is around 10 people. But a squad is the smallest group that you get in an army. And then it, it grows and it gets bigger. You have... Um, I don't know, a section and you have a platoon and you have all these things where the numbers increase. But there's nothing smaller than that squad. We are not part of the Lone Star Cavalry, okay? I love Hebrews chapter 12, our opening scripture. Very important, very important. He says, therefore we also, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's plural. It's not me, myself and I. It's not like that. As a soldier, we are a, we are a disciplined unit. We're going in the same direction. And the direction is of our commander-in-chief. Stay on track. Don't go AWOL. Please, people, don't get deceived. During this time, 
Don't get deceived. Don't go AWOL. Don't depart from the faith. Don't do something that sounds like a good idea. Don't become a deserter. Don't go AWOL. We need each other. Let's be that fighting unit that where we are trained together, where we disciplined together, whether we're a squad, whether we're a section or whether we're a platoon or bigger, but make sure that we are cohesively trained, a cohesively trained unit that works well together. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people. Be accountable. Be accountable. You know what, Chris and I are available. If you want to make yourself accountable in any way, we will make ourselves available to help you, to support you. But get around people that are further ahead in the walk than what you are. Because there's just so much strength in that. When we need to rely on each other, sometimes your prayers might seem weak and insignificant. They might seem that way. And that's when it's good to get together with your brothers, your sisters in Christ. And let's get together in unity. Let's pray the prayer of agreement. And let's watch heaven manifest in your life. You know, in the, in the Bible, David, he was a shepherd boy. David was a shepherd boy. So he was used to going out, looking after a bunch of sheep on his own. You'd only have one shepherd with all the sheep. And yet, when he was anointed as king, the first thing he had to go and do was go to war. And suddenly, his mindset, his mindset changed. He always went to war with his men. He never went on his own. He even formed alliances and treaties with nations because he knew he couldn't do it alone. Together, we are stronger. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get side railed. You know what? Fights come to us. Opposition comes to us. But we need to be together to fight. Fight like a Christian. Fight like a Christian. Stand on the word. Don't give up. Consider what I say, God says. Consider what I'm saying to you in this hour. May the Lord give you understanding in all things. Let's consider this word. Consider it. Think about it. Pause. Sila. Be strong in the grace of God. Make sure that the goodness, the favor of God is your foundation. Be established. Be settled in that favor, that grace of God. Be prepared. Be ready to endure hardship as that good soldier. Be a doer of the word. If you do this, then I'll do that. If you do this, I'll do that. Be a doer. When he says if, then do it. Do it. Be a doer of the word. Stay committed. Don't go AWOL. No deserters in the army of God. Ask for help. Don't do it alone. No Lone Star, Texas Lone Star mentality and fight till the end. Don't give up. And then when we've run our race, we too can declare like the Apostle Paul, 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. God bless you. I trust this word has been an encouragement to you. Go back during the week and just go over some of these scriptures. Let it get into your heart. Let it get into your soul. But be rejoicing with what God has ahead of us when we do gather together on the 27th of June.